Hello everyone, this is uh, Tom here. I just want to go ahead and apologize to you all. We have not had an episode come out in a little over two weeks now, for which we are sorry, but uh, we are American. And uh, as you know, we had our Independence Day holiday, which ate up some extra time that uh, the three of us had. We had parties to go to and festivities and people coming in from out of town, family members and all that stuff. So we were a bit, we were all really swamped around the holiday and uh, we had trouble getting everything together so that we could bring you an episode, whether it be an actual play or a regular one. Fortunately, though, uh, finally we were able to... Uh, get this uh last episode that we did about two weeks ago now ready for you guys so here it is and also i went ahead and did a little commentary that is for episode seven and uh yeah so once again just want to say we are uh sorry we're a bit late here we're still up and running the pulse is uh still emanating from uh the capital of coruscant or uh, hosnian but i guess coruscant it's now the capital again because Hosnian got blown up. And uh, yeah, so hey, we're still here. We are. Uh, we do apologize and we hope to be bringing you uh, some uh, weekly or bi-weekly podcasts here along with uh, some, uh, some of these actual plays. We know it's been a little over a month now of our last time we did the actual play, but it does take us some time and uh, time to get three people who are living in, you know, different counties and states to uh, get together and uh, get this taken care of. So again, apologize. Uh, probably gonna have something on the facebook feed saying so david's gonna type something up uh but i don't i don't draw sounds too good some of you don't read them too good figured i'd come and uh, speak here to you but anyway hope you had a good holiday if you're an american if not you should try to emigrate here and become an american it's pretty cool and uh yeah so anyway enjoy the show welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the coruscant pulse this is episode number 33. It is June 26, 2016. We are exactly 171 days away from uh, Rogue One hitting theaters. And with me, as always, is James and David. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hello, everyone. Everyone. Ooh. We got a whole bunch of Rogue One happenings this week. We we're going to do an actual play, but uh, an Entertainment Weekly article came out that's quite large with a lot of official character uh, info from uh, the upcoming film Rogue One. So we're going to go ahead and push that off for another week again and uh, talk about this. Exciting, nevertheless, though. I'm sure this is stuff people want to hear about more than uh, the actual play, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Don't worry, I don't take it personally or anything. No, everyone wants to hear about the actual play. Fuck that. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we got a whole bunch of character descriptions, a whole bunch of nice pictures. I don't know what we want to talk about first. Makes sense. Why don't each of us, you know, pick one of the characters to start off with and just, you know, start rolling from there. For me, I've got to say one of the pieces that really came out that I'm most interested and excited in was the description of K2SO, which is the droid that you see in the trailer, that's big, hulking, lumbering droid that's being voiced by Alan Tudyk. I think for me, there's there's one line in the description that really made me excited to kind of see it. Like, the description that Entertainment Weekly gave was, you know, that it's a powerful security droid that is the antithesis of c-3po he is not interested in human cyborg relations and the, the, they quoted as and the complete opposite of a neurotic fuss bucket uh k2 is a bit like chewbacca in a droid body he doesn't apparently give a shit about what you think and he just speaks the truth but for me, there, there's one final line in here in the Entertainment Weekly piece that really kind of like sparked my curiosity. And that is, like Jin, he's also seeing a bit, seeking a bit of redemption for past wrongs. Droids, too, can have regret. Now, I want to I pause on that for a second because the idea of a droid having regret, that, that to me is something absolutely incredible because they are, they are programmed machines and to have regret means to be cognizant of your orders and even if you're unable to do anything about your orders, to still be able for a machine to make the moral judgment in some way, shape, or form that this is not what they want to do regardless of if they are forced to or not. And to experience the the emotion of guilt, that that's just something that's absolutely delicious. And I think that for me, one of the things I'm really excited about K2 
is that it's going to be a very different kind of droid. Because so far, the droids have basically been in kind of like a number of extreme directions. K2 seems like he's going to be a character, though, as opposed to one of those extremes. Because on the one hand, I feel like you've got 3PO, who's this chatterbox who just won't stop talking, who hates being involved in what's actually going on, despite the fact that he's constantly involved in what's going on. Then you've got R2-D2, who's just kind of competent and is, you know, he's competent, he's mechanically savvy. We don't really get a lot of personality out of him outside of a lot of his boops and whirs because he doesn't speak basic. And then you had like the B1 and B2 battle droids. The B1s were just slapstick. The B2 were just incredibly dull, monotonous machines. And to have a new droid that's actually going to be like a true character in a way that we don't really have true droid characters outside of 3PO, I think it's going to be really neat. You guys have any thoughts about K2? Or did I just absolutely blow your goddamn minds? No, oh, I was waiting for uh, James. I was waiting for you. You, you, f- ladies, ladies first. Still waiting. <laughs> no, um, K two seems interesting to me. I, I've never been one to care much about the droids in Star Wars, but this is interesting. This is not a droid that's just kind of like background slash um god what's the word i'm looking for because like r2d2 and c3po kind of like were the 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 two pieces of all the movies that kind of see it all right and it sounds like k2 is going to be an active participant and not only active participant but not just being bearing witness to it right so r2d2 and c3po obviously do a lot of stuff but i feel like they were they're almost like plot devices to help move things along and help string it all together. And K2 doesn't seem like he's going to be that. Yeah, there is that hilarious, um, what was it, theory that Star Wars, the, the story itself, is actually told from R2-D2's perspective. I can see that. How about you, Tom? You got anything about K2? I like, uh, he's, he kind of sounds like, uh, HK-47 from the KOTOR, uh, series, but, uh, other than that, you know... Uh, Alan Tudyk, he he did all the robot um, motion capture and voices uh, in that um, terrible Will Smith movie, I Robot. So uh, you know he's a he's a talented enough actor. He should be given a good performance. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds good. Let's see how it, you know works on screen. For K2, it sounds like overall we're we're kind of excited to see what an active participant droid sort of looks like in the Star Wars universe because that's not really something that we've had before. Any of you guys have another character that you guys want to bring up right now? There were some other excerpts, too. I'd read about uh, uh, Jin Erso. Uh, the description has, uh, you know, she's a delinquent. Pretty much what we learned from the trailer. She's been on her own uh, dealings in the underworld. Kathleen Kennedy says that uh, she's a real survivor, and she becomes a kind of Joan of Arc in the story, which uh, that's not good for her because uh, Joan of Arc uh, got burned alive. But... uh I don't know. They kind of hint that like she's been at odds with the rebels and uh, Empire. We do know that her dad is in the film that's played by Mads uh, Milkinson. So uh, I don't know. It's it looks like uh, I'm not liking the whole backstory to the character. I don't know. It's just it kind of reminds me of, like John Constantine, you know. From the DC line where heaven doesn't heaven doesn't want him, neither does hell, you know, it just I I'm really surprised by that comparison. I don't get that at all. <laughs> Her dad's, you know, the guy that designed the doomsday weapon. I could understand where she, you know, is uh the the rebellion would have sought her out in order to get to the dad. Uh but yeah, I don't know. I'm not really, her backstory sounds like, out of everyone, it seems kind of wishy-washy. It seems like if there could be a problem with any of them, it would be her. You think so? He's he's actually not the one that I've got an issue with his backstory, or with her backstory, rather. I, I, I get your concerns, but for me, there's there's one piece in here that I am absolutely thrilled if they go in any direction but one, and that is her ties to the underworld, the the big galactic underworld that the Rebel Alliance apparently needs. What I'm hoping is that it is anyone but the Huts. So long as her ties to the Galactic Underworld are not ties to the Huts, I will be thrilled. Because that is 
it's something that, you know, when we were talking about what we wanted to see in a Star Wars Underworld show, which is almost certainly not happening at this point, unfortunately, that was something that we wanted to see. We wanted to see the other crime syndicates really fleshed out. We wanted to see the, the world broadened. And I think that so long as they pick someone that is not a, you know, not again, yet another like hut enforcer or hut pawn, I'll be fairly happy. Well, the other thing that really excites me is that my thought and idea for the end of the movie might very well come true, which is all of the rebels dying and the last, like the last shot in the film being a, like a voiceover of Captain Antilles from the Tantive Four saying, you know, Rogue One, we've received your communication. We are, uh, we are en route to Alderaan or something like that. David just ruined the movie for everyone. Oh, I, no! I, I, part of me would be really surprised if they do go with something kind of like, in, in a lot of ways, that is a little bit cliche. But at the same time, I would not be disappointed if that's how they end that movie, especially if people have decent deaths. How about you, James? You got any feelings on uh, the new stuff that we've heard about Jin? I mean, not really. Uh, the new stuff we heard about Jin kind of just built on to what I already expected for Jin. There was no huge secret to me there, aside from what, like, uh, Tom said. If she becomes kind of like a Joan of Arc, that, that's no bueno for her. You know, I, I am a little bit curious. Did we know that she was heavily connected to the Galactic Underworld beforehand? I don't think we did. No, but I don't know. Just that uh, the, this was the recent stuff where she's been at odds with both the Rebellion and uh, the Empire in the past. It's not in this little quote we have here, but I did remember reading that and I was just kind of like, eh, that could be a little rough. Yeah, but for me, it almost makes sense specifically when you when you consider that she has been alone since, since she was 15. And if you consider that may very well be the time that she began working in some of the criminal syndicates and the like, working the Galactic Underworld, even as an independent contractor. She's going to come across like she's going to double cross rebels and Imperials all the live long day. And I don't know what her age is, but it's like she's certainly well into her 20s. So it's kind of like she's been doing that probably for more than a decade. You know, I, I and it's kind of like I think I think that's one of the things where you're going to wind up seeing that her record is long, which is something I guess we got a little bit of in the start of the uh, the start of the last trailer, where you had that one guy that was just rattling off crimes that she's committed. I'm just worried about her point of origin with being on her own, because her dad is obviously someone in the Galactic Empire. Uh, they compare him to, you know, the uh, Oppenheimer of uh, the Star Wars universe, which if people don't know, Oppenheimer was one of the physicists that worked on the uh, first nuclear reactor and the first uh, and the Manhattan Project during World War II, and you know, atomic weapons and that. Uh, why is she on her own? You know, if they don't sell, if they don't write that well, I, I you know, they could trip up there. If they give a shitty reason, it's going to be like, what? You know, I, I'm looking for areas where it could go terribly wrong. And my basis for this is uh, episode seven. Uh, this is the same writing committee. I just don't want to see a weak uh, character, you know? I hear that. I, I think I can understand that. If they if they don't have a good reason, then then then, yeah, her story will sort of fall apart there. For me, the real question is, is even if the story falls apart there... Will will the acting and what's happening now be be good enough to kind of make us forget about that? And that's that could be one of the pieces I'm holding out hope for. But you brought up uh, Galen Urso, which is uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, which is her father. Um, so why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about that right now? Because you already brought up the big point, which is that he is some kind of doomsday knowledge guru who's being sought both by the empire and the rebellion and that for me was one of the weird pieces about this and specifically the idea that both the empire and the rebellion are seeking you know him out because honestly i you know when i first read it i kind of expected that no he's already captured by the empire but it seems like that's not the case w what the hell was he doing leaving his 15 year old daughter alone like why wasn't she in hiding with him or something like that? You know, there's just, that's the area where we don't know the story. And, uh, hey, they could explain it all the way pretty well. And it could make sense. And it could be perfectly fine. But uh, that's like a gray area in all these character descriptions. I'm like, ooh, this could be, this could be bad. How about you, James? You got any thoughts on Galen before I hop back in there? I mean, Galen, like you said, I was kind of like, all right, if he's not 
part of the Empire yet. Where has he been? Why has Jin been on her own? You know what I mean? Yeah, and now I'll hop back in. Uh, and the one thing that makes me a little bit comfortable with the situation is that in the article, that specific question is called out. And it's something that's very obvious they're at least aware of. So whether or not we like the answers they're going to wind up giving us, they're going to have some kind of answer. So, so well, there's at least, at least that. But at the same time, quality of the answer, who knows? Yeah, I mean, hey, if they tell us, as long as they tell us their answer, they don't just don't admit it and don't say, you'll have to wait till next time. I'm, I'm positive they're not going to make us wait till next time. The only question is, are we going to get that in uh, Rogue One Catalyst, which is the book that's coming out before the film? Or, or is it going to be in the movie? I'm really hoping it's in the movie. Or they'll say, oh, no, 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 just rewatch episode four. You'll figure it out. Uh, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ah! <laughs> I had to do it. I had to tweak you guys. I apologize. See you in October. I'll kick you upside the head then. <laughs> promises, promises. Nah, instead I'll just crush you in X-Wing. Which I am bringing. <laughs> Outstanding. Okay. So... Uh, th so far, we've gone through three of the main characters. So we've gone through Jin Erso, Galen Erso, and K2. Anyone have anyone else they want to talk about right now? Well, I mean, you guys could take a guess at who I'd like to talk about. Is it is it director Orson Krennic? Ding, 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 ding. So yeah, director Orson Krennic, played by Ben Mendelsohn. He is a director. So everyone who was looking at his uh, pictures and be like, oh, he's in all white. Is he a Grand Admiral or is he... Uh, Involved in the ISB? Well, he's not a Grand Admiral. It's not entirely clear if he's involved in the ISB or not, though. It sounds like the Death Troopers are his uh, personal squad. I'm sure there's other Death Troopers out there, but it sounds like they're one of his pet projects. And from the article, the bad guy is a lot more terrifying when he's really smart and really effective. There's a lot of palace intrigue going on in the Empire with people conspiring to move up the ranks and sabotaging each other. There's not a lot of loyalty there. So I'm almost wondering if he is trying to make uh, Tarkin look bad and he might wind up at the very end of the movie seeing an untimely end because he screws up and Tarkin's able to uh, keep his post. Oh, that'd be pretty neat. You know, Vader, Vader's uh, got his orders from the Emperor, take him out, uh, he, he lost the plans, he's no longer in favor, it's Tarkin's project, still. That was like the very first thing I thought of when I saw that line, I was like, huh, a lot of palace intrigue, huh? I could see his character trying to either take on Tarkin or, or God. I mean, we've seen it in the Darth Vader comics, take on Vader. How about you, Tom? You got anything on uh, Krennic that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, it sounds, it's, everything sounds fine to me. I mean, uh, it's good, it's good when you have a really good, smart, bad guy like that, and, uh, you know who the bad guy is. So, hey, that's, that's awesome. For me, I think the thing that I was most interested in, in his little write-up, was the idea that it's his squad of death troopers, and his, like, personal troops. One reason is, is because that kind of flows back towards some other ideas of various moths having like their own like special stormtrooper squads uh like if you look back i think there was a group called the black hole stormtroopers then there was the uh the dark trooper project and all of those were in my opinion like fairly neat ideas where it was something more than the regular stormtroopers but then also in the latest like star wars comics you know we're starting to see that there are you know, stormtrooper specialists, guys that aren't simply another guy in white armor, but guys who have special equipment, special skills that are part of the stormtrooper corps, but do very different jobs and, and work in very different ways. And that's one thing that I'm kind of excited to start seeing here, which is that, you know, the breaking up in some ways of the monolith that is the stormtroopers, you know, the, the fractioning them off into different specialized groups including groups that are specialized to the point where they form teams of multi-specialists in order to accomplish their missions just because you know it makes a lot of sense to do things that way but i am i am i'm a little bit excited for this my my big question is going to wind up being how they play off and how they demonstrate to us that he is ambitious because you know sometimes ambition can come off a little goofy 
Like that—that that was kind of my read on Hux in the Force Awakens. Hux, Hux didn't seem threatening to me. He seemed a little goofy and out of place. I, I don't think we're gonna have the same issue considering this is Ben Mendelsohn. But at the same time, that's that's just always a concern I have in the back of my head. Well, in that movie, after rewatching Episode Seven a couple times, the First Order was not really flushed out at all. No, and I've got to say, like I've been reading some bits and pieces of the Poe Dameron comic along with what we know of them from Bloodline, I, I still really don't get what exactly the First Order is and how they came about and why they're honestly doing what they're doing. Off topic! <coughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's a valid point, though. It's good to know in a movie about Star Wars uh, who the other guys are, who the bad guys are. It makes sense. I mean, the bad guys are wearing white armor. What else do you need to know? Yeah, it's like, it's like you were in the writer's room and like that's literally what one of the suits said. <laughs> wait uh what happened to those weird aliens uh you know they weren't included in this and i don't know exactly why maybe they're still working on the final um on the final cgi for them because so far the only actual work we've seen of them at all is the artwork that was in that uh that book thing we've never seen a single reference to them outside of well we've seen other references to them but we've never seen a single image of them outside of that so so personally i'm yeah so outside of the book that was leaked or or purposely leaked depending on who you believe um we haven't seen any images of them and i have a feeling that's because they haven't yet finalized what they want them to look like from a cgi perspective like, I think that they have the performances in, they, they know what they're going to sound like, but and they know how they're going to move, but I think maybe they're still working on, like, final facial details. And because of that, they weren't comfortable releasing any imagery of them just yet, because, you know, they don't know yet. From David's mind to your ears. What can I say? I live in an interesting place. Yes, you do. But yeah. So sorry. Okay, so Team Force or Team Rebel? Mm, team Rebel. All right. First off, let's talk about Captain Cassian Andor. He's Diego Luna. And so he's apparently... I, I, I don't even know like a really good analog. James, Tom, you guys know a lot more about World War II than I do, so maybe you can figure it out. But in a lot of ways, it seems like he's he's like a super smart, like not quite by the books um, rebel. So he is an intelligence officer. That's something that we know. Uh, and he is really looking to resist the Empire effectively and intelligently. This is for Cassian, Yeah, that's right? uh, Cassian Andor. Yeah, you, he is from the the write-up here. He is a, in direct contraindication to what you just said, a by-the-book rebel intelligence. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, you look at that. And the other piece, and it's like, by the book, in my opinion, means a square, which it immediately then says, he's not a square. <laughs> uh, some suit some screwed this up. But yeah, I mean, for me, I guess the interesting piece that came out here is the fact that he's an intelligence operative. Because the rest of it sounds like fairly straightforward for what I would expect an intelligence operative to be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, he's there to balance out Urso's, I guess. I don't know. It seems like Urso's going to be a bit more of like a Han Solo style decision maker where the decisions are just going to be made mostly off of instinct. Whereas he's probably the guy that's thinking through things and, and try, trying to put a rein in on her. Which makes sense. You, you, need, you need somebody to do that. Yeah, not disagreeing with you. So the other guy we've got is the, uh, Bodhi Rook. Uh, he's apparently going to be their lead pilot. He's the guy being played by Riz Oppen. And apparently, he's primarily a cargo pilot, but he is also their technical expert. So part of me is thinking, like, he's probably a former smuggler or something like that. And I'm really interested to see, like, okay, so he's a cargo pilot slicer hacker kind guy. That, that to me, is going to strike me as a little bit odd if that winds up being his actual role. It also could be... That he is, um, he is like our Dwa. As soon as I saw that, I was like, hmm, he's like Dwa. Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe. I, I just don't know if that's something that I like. Well, he's a pilot guy. They need a pilot guy. So that's what he is. 
Yeah, do, uh, like, do you guys think he's going to be fairly major in this thing? Part of me thinks that he's going to he's going to be gone fast. Maybe that's just because I haven't seen him in the trailer, because I don't think he actually even made an appearance there. Guys like uh, Bodhi and uh, some of the others you don't really know need to know, you know, go into too much detail with in this film. My chief concern would be, uh, you know, uh, Jane Erso, her dad, Kendrick, and uh, then, of course, the best for last. Uh, those are going to be the big characters. Yeah. And maybe, uh, what's his, we were just talking about him. Chira? Cassian. Oh, Cassian, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. He'd be, you know, close, close in there with him. But the rest of them, I think, are just going to be, you know, color for the background, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Supporting characters. Maybe, maybe Donnie Yen a bit more. You know, you brought up Donnie Yen, and he and his partner, uh, Jung Wen, are the last two that we sort of need to talk about. This was actually the backstory that I was most not upset by, but the least understanding of how this is going to work into what the Rebels are really doing. Because, so, uh, Chirrut Imwe, who is Donnie Yen's character, is not a Jedi, but he's devoted to the Jedi ways and has used his spirituality to overcome his blindness in order to become a formidable warrior. And, you know, he apparently still believes everything that the Jedi were about, but he maintains that belief even though the Jedi aren't there anymore. And because of that, it now falls in his mind to him and everybody else to take a stand and, and continue the Jedi way. <laughs> and that that really bothered me for, for a number of reasons, I guess. Uh, do you guys want to mention anything before I start ranting? No, no, I, I'm good. You can rant. Yeah, go All for right. it. So for me, the idea, like, okay, so I guess the, the straight up question is, you know, are we equating Jedi with Force sensitivity? And how, like, is his is his Force sensitivity his spirituality, which overcomes his blindness? Because blind blindness is, you know, it's a major, major, you know, handicap. And the idea that you can just split away if you're spiritual enough or if you believe in enough isn't something that I like part of me is like actually like bothered and offended by the by the mere premise of it. Like, oh, you're just not spiritual enough. That's why you still suffer from blindness. I know that's not the direction that they meant to go in or want to go in, but that that just bugged the heck out of me. And the other thing is, is the idea of him being this warrior monk. That just it just wasn't really interesting to me. I know that we've all known that this direction that he was headed in, because ever since he beat the crap out of a bunch of stormtroopers with a with a wooden stick or something like that, out of all of these characters, it honestly just feels like he does not fit. And I'm really worried, specifically in his story, that it's just not going to mesh, and he's going to feel really weird and a lot like an outsider, Unless they, unless like he gets brought in in a really major way somewhere in the film, but because right now it's kind of like you've got you've got this rebellion story over here. They're going to go get things, and you have this other guy who's like, I, I well, you know, in Bose's line, they have they have this basically Don Quixote and Sancho Panza, and that's that almost feels like a separate story. Okay, that that was my. You're rant. crazy. You're crazy. I don't get any of that at all. I mean, this is where we saw the character was kind of going—a force user uh, who uh, is not a Jedi, but a force user, and he's blind. So, and so wait, he uses the force. Is to he a see. force user? I think he is. Yeah, I mean, look, they're implying it in the description. I mean, he's using his spirituality in quotes. You know, it's not in quotes, but you know what I mean to overcome his blindness. What do you think they're talking about? Well, I'm I'm hoping it's it's you know force sensitivity, but I'm not positive on that front. Well, they're not going to come out and say it. This is the Lucasfilm. They haven't come out and said a whole lot in all these character descriptions. Well, I mean, they came out and said, you know, that Jin's been working with the Galactic Underground, that Cassian is an intelligence officer. You know, it, there's, there, there's a but lot they of don't details that, you know, they have given out. Granted, not that, like, oh, this guy is Force-sensitive or something like that. But, you know, I, it, it's one of those things where uh, it, it, just, it just struck me as really weird. Granted, if they bring the Madukai in through him, I would be happy. I don't know how you get that. I mean, because this is what we had kind of surmised the character would be. And it turns out, hey, guess what? It's what you thought it would be. And now you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. Well, the thing was, is I, I don't think <laughs> I've ever connected him to being Force-sensitive. I just thought he was a guy. He was just from Planet Kung Fu Master, and that's how he beat people Kind of, up. yeah. He was from Planet Zeroichi. Yeah, honestly, yes. 
So we all knew he was blind and he was able to pass and we just thought he was just some guy that could do it without yeah. the force in a universe that the in the universe that the force yeah, exists. Uh, that that was honestly me. Maybe it was foolish of me, but yes, that is exactly the path my mind went down. I, I kind of expected him to be a person who was possibly trained as a Jedi as a youngling and then left the order. Maybe he had no choice to leave the order. You know, with the whole order being destroyed. Well, wait, that'd only be 19 years before this, so he'd have been a bit older, because there's no way Donnie Young's playing a 19-year-old <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> you, you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next character is the guy that I feel could have really fit in with the Rebels. And it, it's it's really weird that, that I feel like he is there, because... He, in some ways, apparently is the backup to Chibra, and that's Baze Malbus, Jong Wen's character, who is much more of a straightforward. I like, you know, they, they actually use Han's old quote, which is that he prefers a blaster to Huki religions and ancient weapons, but he, he is apparently a really close friend of, or something of Chibra, and it will go through any means necessary to protect him. And, you know, it, it's it's like he seems to me to be the more compelling character of the two. I don't know. What, what did you guys think about Baze? I, uh, I think it'd be funny if, like, uh, Chirrut is a, some, like, charlatan who isn't Force-sensitive and not even blind. And uh, Baze has to do all the heavy lifting. Like, they're just <laughs> con men or something and they get roped into this. It's fine. I, I get the base premise of it. I, I can see where, you know, that their storylines I'm less worried about. Uh, I don't really see too many pitfalls. It seems, you know, like it's going to make sense. I didn't see him being associated with uh, Chirrut, though. But I guess, you know, they're both Chinese. So uh, Lucasfilm is racist. They have to be friends. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it should be All right, fine. So, so you, you don't see any issues with them getting involved in the storyline? You don't think that that's going to be a pitfall there? No. All right for for me yeah out out of all this stuff that has come out Chirut is, and by extension Baze are really the two that I that I am most concerned with how they're going to wind up coming into the story like their their introduction is the thing that I am most concerned about to be honest you're crazy I know man. it's crazy like you you've got all these other things that you're that you're worried about but for me it's just like no I'm concerned how the blind force sensitive monk is coming in because it might be too unbelievable for me <laughs> Yeah in a Star Wars movie just think about that Star yeah okay and then I think we're we're last but not least Absolutely right? Saw Gira which uh we saw him in the trailer, and his uh, little uh, speech that we hear is uh, a bit more haunting after knowing that it is Saw Gera and we will you know, get up. It was from a uh, old Clone War episode. You can see him or an arc, and uh, he's uh, he's sort of a rebel extremist. He's uh, not only is uh, he with the rebellion or uh, fighting for their same cause to downthrow or uh, to uh, overthrow the Empire. But he goes about it in kind of extreme ways. If you're a D&D &D fan, uh, he's kind of chaotic good. He'll do anything uh, he has to for the betterment of his cause as he sees it. So we went ahead, uh, at least I watched that arc. I remember it now after seeing it and remembered his character. I didn't off the top of my head when they said Sawgear. Uh, I'm not that big of a Star Wars nerd. But uh, I remember watching it before. And, uh, Lies! Yeah, I got a big... Uh, you know this this is pretty cool that they're bringing someone from uh, the clone wars and uh it's a good character and i like the direction they're going with it and they got like one of the best actors on the planet to go ahead and uh, bring the character to life on the big screen so it'll be pretty cool force whitaker is a pretty accomplished actor and uh th they got a pretty cool character for him to play yeah for me i i didn't remember the Onderon arc super well but I, I rewatched it again as soon as, you know, it came out that it was Saul Guerrera and that he was in the Onderon arc just to get sort of a feel for the character. And yeah, I'm I'm a little both confused and really interested in what has happened to Saw since um since that the end of that Onderon arc. Because you know, the end of the arc is that he was blaming himself at quick spoiler alert for if you haven't seen it. Um, he blames himself for the death of his sister. And 
you know that i mean yeah it was absolutely. his fault and the fact that he was celebrating that he took it down too i think for me like the the really interesting piece there was that it looked like he was taking to heart you know a lot of the ideas that uh that his sister stella was giving him or stila was giving him and then all of a sudden like when she died it's i thought he was going to move towards like all right no i'm gonna change my own mind and you know honor her legacy the best way i know how which is you know like to follow like her commands her thoughtfulness her her carefulness and instead it looks like instead of moving in that direction it looks like his brakes just got pulled off and he's just like no we're going to do this and we are just going to wreck things because that was his modus operandi in the episodes this is the first clone wars episodes i ever watched and i was like huh this really isn't a kid show that there's weird ashoka subplots of romance that that's I don't because really you haven't watched the show man you need to watch the show <laughs> uh, uh, relax I was like, there's weird romantic subplots that are obviously romantic subplots, not for a child crowd, and soft war, and terrorism. I was like, huh, interesting. And after watching it, I'm like, I'm even more excited to see Forrest Whitaker. Uh, if, if you go back a bunch of episodes, I believe I was most excited to hear what Forrest Whitaker's character was going to be, and now knowing what he is, even more excited. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, I guess since this was sort of like the first episodes of Clone Wars that you watched, you know, what did you think about Saul Guerrero's character in those in those shows? Like, w or were there any parallels to anything else that you could think of? That's a great question. Um, no major parallel hit me off the top of the head. I'm sure if there is one and you mention it, I'm going to smack myself. But uh, he definitely had a I'm going to do it my way attitude. So I guess maybe kind of like Senator Graham uh, Belibelis. Yeah, Garm Belliblis. Yeah, Garm Belliblis. And he also, very headstrong, very like, no, I know what I'm doing, you're just senator, you're just this, I want to be in charge, and gracious about it when he was wrong, but not entirely convinced he was wrong. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. It's kind of like, you know, he is, uh, uh, what's what's the best way to, to... It, it achieved the goal, so it was fine that they didn't go his way. At the same time, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really move to that idea or that notion. Does that make sense? Well, one of the other things that uh, <laughs> it was something Pablo Hidalgo tweeted out, which was just rewatch the Andron arc and Charlie Wilson's war back to back. And what a uh, what an interesting commentary on uh, arming, <laughs> arming rebel groups. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, he is, I don't know, what, what's the best way to put it? He is, he, he, at the very least, it sounds like he becomes a straight-on terrorist. And I wonder if maybe that's because he thinks that if they had done what he wanted to do, and they had done the house-to-house -house fighting, that if they had done the house-to-house -house fighting, they wouldn't have brought in those other droids. And, you know, it would be bloody, but it wouldn't have costed him his sister. Yeah, uh, I could see that. I don't know if I like that him going that route, but I could totally see them doing it with that. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm definitely not convinced either that that that's you know a correct decision to make. But I I feel like that's the direction that they've decided that that character is supposed to be in. Yeah, I could see that making sense. Not happy about it, but I could yeah, see. Yeah, for me, I think the idea that he's you know just continuing this fight and he's leading a band of rebel extremists maybe that's actually where those aliens pop in uh that we were talking about before maybe he i don't know i i don't think saul guerrero is going to find redemption here i, I just don't find that happening i i think i think he's gonna go out in a blaze of glory though that's what i'm really hoping <laughs> but okay oh, I'm so sure. there, there was another photo that came out that was uh it's a death trooper holding a little stormtrooper doll. Do you want, do you want to know what I think winds up happening fairly early on? I think Saul no, Guerrero bombs a school bus or the Star Wars equivalent of a school bus. Yeah, because I, I think you know it's one of those things like they're saying he's an extremist. They're saying he's all but a terrorist. They're saying he's someone that even though the rebellion is desperate, they are still nervous about associating with. And so I think I think you know in the in the film. They have to have that happen some way, somehow. 
And the fact that there's a death trooper picking up like a little stormtrooper doll, you know, that 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 to me says that something real bad happened. Uh, something real questionable, something that portrays the rebels as something other than heroes is is going on there. Be interesting, and I, I appreciate your uh, craziness for uh, the overdramatic. It's quite good. You you did call it though last week before this came out, our last episode, that you wanted to see rebels curb stomping and summary executing stormtroopers, and uh, we saw Guerrera. We might yeah. get that. So you're not far off. You're not. Well, far it's off. not like you know, Clone, Clone Wars. Clone For Wars as has crazy straight up as murder you are. as well. You know, like the Clone Trooper, like yeah. at the end of the Umbaran arc, just straight up murdering somebody. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not overly, you know, concerned that they wouldn't want to step there. I think for me, the the big question is really, you know, how how extreme is Saw Gerrera? Because at the same, depending on how how high that threshold is, I I don't think it could be that high because it is going to be rated PG thirteen. PG thirteen is a lot different than it used to be. Yeah, fucking uh, wasn't. Uh... Dark Knight wasn't that PG thirteen? I think it was. It might have been. I, I don't know that for a fact. But I mean, yeah, you can get away with a lot with PG thirteen. Wow, did not realize. Yeah, the Dark Knight was rated PG thirteen. Yeah, I mean that is some. And that is a damn Dark Knight Rises is also PG thirteen. Well, let's let's not go talk. That's kind of just a weird movie. Yeah, Dark Knight had some heavy themes. You know, he had some. You know. So yeah, I mean, they could definitely go into some very, very uh, adult areas there that uh, we would all like, or at least my ass would, Jesus. But uh, yeah, no, that uh, it sounds better. I don't know after that uh, that huge rumor thing that happened with oh, this is going to be a shit fucking movie and all that. And this is a uh, good uh, good info that all came out on the movie, and uh, looking forward to the uh, new content and that's coming out on. Uh, Star Wars Celebration on July 15th. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I'm really keeping an eye out for right now, uh, which is, you know, what what are we going to wind up seeing in in Celebration? Because it, it, there looks like there's, a, it almost feels like there's an entire day's worth of panels just devoted to Rogue One. So I feel like they're going to be answering a lot of questions there. I mean, they kind of have to. Well, to be honest, Disney don't have to do shit. We'd want them to. I mean, they don't. I hope so. But they're going to. I'm really hoping for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, new one. they have a whole con of uh, they have a whole con of people coming. You know, it's what a couple hundred thousand people coming to a multi-day event at uh, probably some big convention hall in Europe. There, so uh, they're going to want to keep. You know, they get a cut of that revenue. They're going to want to keep uh, this up. So uh, it's important to them to bring something to the table to these things. They may not want to, but if they're smart, which they are, they'll do. They'll bring stuff. Yeah, you know, James brought it up a couple of times with us. I don't know in the episode or not, but really hoping that there's a new trailer for Rogue One coming out of Celebration. Because if I had to pick between a teaser trailer for Episode 8 and a full-blown trailer for Rogue One, I think I'd go for the full-blown trailer for Rogue One right now. Yeah, uh, with you there too. We couldn't wait for Episode 8. Yeah, Episode 8 can wait. It's time to get more Rogue One. It might have, like, a couple screenshots or something from it, you know? A couple images, but... I mean, we already got a good amount of behind-the-scenes stuff from uh, Episode Eight, some images here and there, but they're out of context, and uh, speculation is uh, run wild with what it all means. There was one other uh, character that we haven't talked about too much, and that is... Uh, that's Mon Mothma. So there was an article about Mon Mothma, that I'm pulling up right now. But it was really talking about how her character is going to wind up... Oh, what's the right word? You know, she's really the one who's keeping the rebellion together, like the fractured pieces. And there's there's really one reason why, to me, that's going to be very interesting, and why part of me thinks that Rogue One has a possibility, for at least me, to really help remove some of the sting from from some of the stuff that you specifically were talking about in Bloodlines, Tom, where you were talking about how you really did not appreciate how dumb the Rebellion felt like they were acting post-Mon Mothma. Which is pretty much the setup for Bloodline. Part... We'll just uh, pretty much lay out. <laughs> yeah. And part of me thinks that, you know, 
in this film, we're really going to see Mon Mothma making decisions, being the leader, in a way that we were simply told she was, but we've never seen. We've seen Leia on the front lines, we've seen Leia doing all these various things, but now we're going to be seeing Mon Mothma making decisions, which is not something we've ever done before. Like, she only came in in Return of the Jedi as, you know, a person that, you know, was giving a mission briefing, basically. And now to see her as a character, potentially as someone that is going to be demonstrating her her ability to lead, her ability to, to create consensus, it, it might at least help, to me, feel like I better understand why things fell to hell after she got sick. I mean that can that'll make sense. Hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get some answers to that so we'll understand it better. I think that we we have that answer for why things went to hell, but I feel like we we haven't accepted that answer because it's kind of like no, this doesn't make sense. Like I feel like maybe bringing Mon Mothma's story up a bit more, in, increasing her importance to the rebellion to to us the viewers is going to help make her seem like a stronger character and make her you know make us understand that no we're not just telling you we are now showing you how important she was to the rebellion like it it wasn't leia's show it has always been mon mothma's show i think that that's something that we lack right now which is that we just we don't have that last piece that piece that says okay she is she is the boss we know it objectively, but we don't see it and we don't feel it. And that's why when they when they explain away that, no, Mon Mothma was this great consensus builder, and when she left, her cult of personality kind of evaporated and everything went to hell. You know, we, like, that's the explanation they gave us. We just don't accept that as a valid explanation right now. And I'm wondering if they do a better job of showing how important Mon Mothma was, if maybe some people will be able to go, okay, I see it. I might not like it as an explanation, but I see what's happening. Can we convert Tom? No. No, I, I, have, I have no hope that that will convert Tom. I, I have some hope that it will convert me. Or it will make me happier. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nice. Real nice. Well, that's what a lot of... That's like a lot of what Force Awakens did. It like glanced over a lot of shit in little like uh, throwaway dialogue lines. And like, no, this is, these plot points that you're just glancing over are very important, but you're trying to get to this other, like, shit that's weak, and that's your main story, and it's just like, what the fuck, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I don't feel quite that strongly about it as you, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, did you listen to Not my commentary? Not uh, and that's gonna be going up later this week. Yeah. Tom made a commentary because he was bored, and uh, I watched that movie a whole bunch of times, and I was like, holy shit. I, I, I do think that I need to, you know, watch it at least once without that commentary, and then again with it, just so I can kind of be like, okay, here 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 are my thoughts on the film. Before, you know, the, the hatred of, of, you know, Tom kind of overwhelms some of that. Oh, you'll be drinking the Kool-Aid at the end, I guarantee. Lies. I, I can't get James, he's too far gone, but I can get the David. dangers of being a moderate. <laughs> yes, yes. Damn moderates. You're people that allow Britain to leave the EU. Let's not touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, so, anything else Star Wars related, Tom? How come in the Rogue One movie, all the white dudes are the bad guys? Is it because they're Imperials? Just They're just racist against white guys is all. Well, I'm I'm actually pretty sure that most of the Rebels are actually white guys, too. Like you remember the uh, you know the scene where it's Jin, Cassian, and a bunch of fucking rebels like all running to sh various ships. I'm joking. I don't really care. I'm wounded. Dave is hurt. No, about the race thing. Who cares? As long as it's a good guy. Yeah, that is going big test. Yeah, it's looking like going to be. So uh, that's all I give a shit about. Yeah, I mean, I I do care about more than it just being a good movie. But the good movie piece is the most important part. Yeah, I mean they got they got good actors. Uh, from the summaries we've read, it sounds pretty well on the level. I'm a little worried about them explaining uh, who Jin Erso is, relationship with her dad, his relationship with the galaxy as a whole. I mean that sounds like it's going to be the cornerstone in the, at least the beginning of the film and what gives the main character their motivation. I could see where that could be very bad. It could be good, but uh, yeah, you know it's it's. 
it's looking uh i'm a lot less nervous after all that those terrible rumors came out it sounds pretty good so uh i'm happy to read the entertainment weekly articles here hey but watch it so oh, i'm hoping not i don't know part, part of me wonders if if you're if we also haven't overhyped it so much at this point that it will never be able to meet our expectations well i mean there's meaning it's not going to meet our expectations no film that you know we look forward to really is i i think that's my opinion however i just don't want it to be a bad mm-hmm. movie you know what i mean like as long as it's it's coherent and i understand everything and it's you know entertaining like fucking uh that latest uh captain america movie it was fine you know i i walked out of it and i was thoroughly enjoyed you know was it the greatest movie ever made no but it was coherent i understood what was going on it made sense uh understood the character's motivations the major characters in that film all had arcs uh some of the characters in there didn't need to be in there but you know it was just a fight that was the set piece of that film that's fine they set the fight up so it was it was a good film that's all they need to do with this is just and you know they're they're in the position too where they're they're using darth vader they're using the death star and they're using an organization that we all know you know the rebel alliance but we're seeing the rebel alliance in a new light and we're seeing an even darker side of the empire from what it looks like you know more the inner workings of that huge Mm -hmm. organization so it's uh, a bit new with uh some uh old stuff and you know they got some you know one of the greatest uh villains and plot devices in movie history to fall back on so you know that's it's should be a easy layup i hope so they have to work real hard to fuck this up oh that i don't think at all <laughs> i think i think i think it's really easy to fuck something up you you have to work well you're crazy <laughs> i mean you are crazy i mean this is pretty straightforward you'd think so I mean, it is. It's We all know what the Death Star is. These are the Rebels. We all know who the Rebels are, and they're stealing the plans from the Death Star to save the galaxy. It's pretty simple. Uh, Darth Vader wants to stop them. We all know who Darth Vader is. You know, it's uh, it's pretty simple. Who's that guy? Yeah, you know, this isn't, this isn't fucking weird science fiction, you know, uh, ancillary short story written by someone, you know, in the 50s. No, this is, you know, not to trash like Philip K. Dick or anything, and that's what's kind of doing. But, uh, you know, this is uh, all pretty well known, and, you know, the average person on the street pretty much knows all of that stuff. I'm pretty sure I could go ask members of my family right now about this stuff, and they would know what the fuck I'm talking about. As opposed to, you know, other movies where you're like, what? No, I get it. Like the prequels or episode seven. I part of me still feels that you're way too harsh on episode seven, but I will listen to your commentary track for for explanations as to why. The first. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't get into here. All right. Well, uh, unless there's anything else, I think that'll be it for this week. Once again, we will have the actual play back for you. Hopefully next week, uh, if our attendance is or what? Fuck. When's the holiday? God you know what? damn. I I have to say this weekend. Like, this is quickly becoming a bit. <laughs> yeah, when will we do an actual play again? Uh, there's always some goddamn thing uh, right when we want to record. Uh, so yeah, so hopefully we'll get that for you. We're making no promises. This is a free program, so, you know, quit your bitching. But yeah, if you'd like to send us hate mail, please do so on our Facebook group, also on our Twitter feed, at Chorus on Pulse. And then uh, you can also send us hate email at uh, Chorus on Pulse at gmail.com. Let the heat flow through you. 